Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. The 98-2 rule is what we talk about here. My dad told me that I was the epitome of this, that I had 98% attitude and 2% aptitude, who I have on the uh, podcast today that I'm so honored. Uh, not only that, uh, that I have the president of the Mina Group, which is over 40 restaurants and one of the top celebrity chefs all over the world, um, but I love to be able to introduce him as my, my friend. I'm uh, a buddy from 1999, Mr. Patrick Yuma. Welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. But, you know, growing up uh, at 13 and, uh, you know, even when I, you know, first started kind of figuring out that, you know, who I was becoming as a young adult and as a person, um, I, you know, obviously, you know, as young boys, we're always a little confused and trying to find our place and trying to, you know, determine who we are and, you know, I, I, I definitely, I, I think because of having those three different groups, I, you know, I think that speaks to, like, I probably didn't have a very solid identity. Um, and I was trying to find my place in the world and trying to find who I was and what I was. And um, so some somewhat became almost a, a chameleon of sorts. Um, but then I, you know, um, again, I would go in summer with my uh, my cousins and my uh, aunts and uncles in California, and I would that's when I would uh, during the summers I was working on roofs um, and saving up money um, repairing roofs in order to uh, to eventually you know uh, buy my car when I was sixteen. So that's got kind of in a nutshell uh, how I kind of you know put it together. And then when I had my car and I had a little bit of freedom, I started understanding who I was uh, a little bit better. Um, but you know. It's, uh, it's taken me quite, you know, quite some time to, I, I think probably not until my thirties that I really understand my identity as a, as a man and as a, as a person. So with your, with your pop, cause your pop was again, super disciplined. Um, you know, he was after you stuff. I, I mean, probably after you, as far as discipline and everything like that. Um, what were some of the lessons that you were like, that you weren't super excited about when he was telling you then that you're looking at now and, and they're a part of your success? So what are, what are some of those things? Um, you know, I think um, it, it's always, I mean, a lot of it was centered on work and, and finishing and being, you know, being disciplined to, to finish and knowing that, you know, if it's worth your time, it's worth you doing as best as you can do. Um, knowing that, you know, there's not, uh, there's no handouts, you know, everything you get, you're going to have to earn. Um, you know, understanding responsibility. I had two, I had two younger sisters, um, growing up and, uh, you know, I had, I was always responsible for them. So no matter what, um, if they got hurt or if somebody picked on them or, or whatever it is, whatever it was, it was ultimately, it was my responsibility to kind of shepherd them. And so it taught me a lot about, um, about being, uh, you know, responsible for others at a very young age. Um, you know, we, I used to have to go out every weekend and pick up, we lived in the desert, right. And we didn't, uh, when we, uh, and when I say we lived in the desert, we really lived in the desert and we had just tons of rocks in our backyard. And my dad would just, I would be, give me a wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow and every day I, on the weekends, I'd have to go pick up the rocks and take them past our property line and, and dump them into the desert, <laughs> into the real desert um, to get all the rocks out. And it was just this little tasks like that, that I think, you know, I, you know, I despised growing up, but I think you know, ultimately, you know, looking backwards, it, it helped me, you know, establish some good foundations um, in my uh, repertoire as far as work ethic. 
So when you, when you bought this first car, you were 13 years old, you started thinking about like, hey, I'm going to be able to get a, uh, a car. Um, what, did you, what was the first job and how much money was it? And what was the car that you bought? What was your first one? Uh-huh. So the, I was a, uh, I was a, a roofer. Um, so I, my uh, uncle had a, a, a roofing company called Commercial Roof Maintenance. And we, they had contracts with um, a bunch of different companies. And it wasn't roof installation, it was roof repair. And so we would go out and you know, use mastic and different types of devices depending on the roof. And we would go and work in the, during the summer on tops of the rooftops in um, Orange County and L.A. County. Um, and repairing roofs. And so um, I, you know, I think at that time, it was actually pretty good. I was probably making five, maybe the next $5 an hour to $7 an hour by the time I was uh, done. Um, And, uh, you know, they all, you know, I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy work by by any means. Um, But, you know, it was fun. And I, it was at a young age, you're hanging out with, you know, construction guys. And so you're learning a lot about life that way. And you can just imagine the stuff that would come out of their mouths. Um, but, you know, when I turned uh, 16 and I had uh, money saved up, I, you know, I, I bought a used 1984 Jeep CJ7. Um, and um, I, uh, you know, we, we bought it and uh, I kind of, I, I don't want to say cherried it out, but I, uh, I fixed it up myself and did all the body work and, um, you know, took it to a paint shop and got it paint, uh, got it painted, um, Porsche cherry red and, you know, installed, you know, got bought a nice, you know, stereo and installed the stereo. I think it was a Kenwood stereo pull out at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, um, and just, you know, that was, and I learned everything about, you know, anything that happened, I, I learned how to change a carburetor. I learned how to change the clutch, um, you know, install the stereos, install speakers, um, adjust the timing, uh, the radiator belts, everything. I, I, you know, I was able to, you know, repair myself with the car. So I had it, you know, up until I went to, went to college and then I, I don't know why we sold it, but I sold it. But, uh, it's one day I'm going to, I'll, I'll have that, uh, 84 CJ seven again. Yes. One of the things, I don't know if I've ever told you about this, but one of the things that I admire about you most, man, is um, you have the same group of friends since, like, you guys have, like, a um, one of the first, I don't know if you guys do a Friendsgiving, but I remember you guys would have, like, a Christmas party, and I remember I, I got invited to it one time, and uh, it, was, it was only one time. You didn't invite me after. Um, <laughs> but you guys invited me one time, and I showed up, and <laughs> I, seriously, I want to crawl under a rock when I say this um now because i understand but see i don't drink alcohol right i never have but for some reason you guys invited me cool it was at the palms and i'm like i need to bring something you know i need to bring a little present whatever it was and someone had left something at my house like giving me a gift or maybe it was a party or whatever it was and it was a a bottle of vodka and i was like oh i'm gonna be nice and bring a bottle of vodka i could do this thing i'm good you know what i mean and I looked down and I saw the label. I was like, cool. I mean, it sounds like it's Russian. Um, it's probably high class. And I showed up to the Palms with a bottle of pop-off. And <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I handed it to everyone and everyone was like, oh, thanks. Like, you guys probably threw it out the window. Um, but that's the thing that I admire about you most was, or one of the, one of the big things was you, you've kept your core group of friends 
and you've had them around you, shout out to Jenny Kim. Um, we have her in common and she is incredible. She gives me such a hard time all the time. <laughs> Speak to that, man. How has that affected you throughout your life? Um, you know, what effects has it had in keeping, because when I say that, I, I still hang out with my buddies since I was in fourth grade. Um, they're all still the same core group. How has that affected your life and, uh, it, and you know, what kind of impact, if any? You know, I think it's, um, I just was fortunate to have a good group of uh, people growing up with that, you know, that we, um, I guess, imprinted upon each other at a very young age. And, um, you know, we got into some trouble together, had a lot of fun together and have a lot of memories. And, um, you know, no no matter what, um, we're always able to pick things off right where we left them. Um, Whether if we haven't seen each other for a few months or even a few years, um, it's that type of bond and that type of relationship. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I love, I love them all. I, I and very fortunate, I, you know, and a lot of us are, are different, have different priorities and different, um, um, views of the world, but nonetheless, we kind of can push past those and, and still reunite and, and, um, have, have a lot of fun together still. Well, when we're looking at this too, this is a, I mean, with a person who's ascended and, you know, you've ascended at such a like crazy level, like, I mean, you're a humble guy. And when I say this, you're going to be like, no, no, I'm just Patrick. But you ain't just Patrick. I've been to your restaurants. And I've been to your restaurants um, as a guest of yours. And I remember I took my wife. I was just telling you this before we started off. I took my wife and I was like, yo, you know, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, my my buddy, you know, he's got a a restaurant here and we're going to stop in. And I thought, you know, people are going to say hi. We had a restaurant, you know, a reservation. He got us through the line, whatever it was. But I tell you, everyone was on high alert. Like I was the president. Like when I said, when they, when they said, Mr. Cardenas, oh, you're one of Patrick's guests. I mean, it was a whole different level, whole different level. Most people never get to that point in their whole entire career. We're talking to the pinnacle of the, um, of the restaurant industry in you. Now you've had friends since you were six, 10 years old there's probably people who you weren't uh, uh, able to bring along on this journey. Am I correct? Yeah. Through the time. And so, and, and I haven't experienced the type of, and the level that you've experienced, but I have had to, there, I remember there was a time when I was at the um, house of blues. We had a, I had a, um, a uh, membership to the, to the foundation room and I was the youngest member at the time. So I was like 23 years old. Now it wasn't because of me. It was because of the company I worked for and, you know, but I remember telling all my friends, like, I got us this room at the foundation room and like, everything's taken care of. Come, we're going to hang out. And all of them were like, I don't have anything to wear. I don't, I can't, I, I can't do that. And they didn't come. And the only people who showed up was my parents. And I was so disappointed. And my dad said, son, sometimes there's only one ticket to the bus. And when you get on that bus, then you can get to the destination and maybe bring some people or show some people, but you can't take everyone. Has that, uh, has have you seen that in your journey? Because you're in an elite space right now that you can't have everyone with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, um, it's interesting, obviously, because, you know, the industry that I, I'm in is all about taking care of people and making people feel comfortable and making people feel welcome. And so I always think that there's always an opportunity to do that um, for everybody. Um, the scale varies, but, um, you know, I think, um, you know, we're fortunate that we get a, we get to serve people and the highlights of their, of their day, 
And so we're always going to figure out how to do that. Um, I think that there's, you know, rewinding back in time, there was a time, you know, when I was uh, working at um, Bertolini's in Las Vegas in the forum shops and um, I was busting tables and waiting tables and literally probably everybody that I was, that, that I grew up with worked there as well too, you know, and you know, some people were bus boys, some people were food runners. Some, uh, we had, a uh, uh, one of my friends was the, the, the silverware polisher. That's, he loved it. And he just, you know, he did that for a few years. Um, and you know, it was, it, it was great to sur- surround yourself with that. Um, and then ultimately, you know, as my career began to take off, um, I, that couldn't necessarily take everybody um, with me to the, you know, the next steps and the next levels that I want to. And they were, it was really kind of incumbent upon them to find their paths and to go upon their ways. Um, and so in, in that regards, yeah, you, you know, you know, I, you can't necessarily, you know, take everybody with you at all times. I think nowadays, as I look at, um, as I, as I look at what my, you know, my objective is, it's, you know, ultimately it's, you know, hopefully I'm able to have impact on people where, whether they stay with us or stay with me or stay with our, our, our company, or they go out on their own, that they're, that we've given them and our, I've given them, um, uh, inspiration and insight, uh, in order to help them grow and help them have huge impact in, in whatever field that they want to have impact in. Um, you know, so I think that's a big focus of mine. You know, one of, you know, my purposes, I think is in, in life, um, what, it, which I call, you know, I don't call it, but which the Japanese call Ikigai is, um, is helping others grow in character and grow in capacity. And, you know, I, I, that's ultimately, you know, I, 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 I took your question a little bit differently, but I, you know, I'll, you know, always, I want to be able to make sure that when I, have uh, interaction with somebody that I, you know that I can leave them uh, with uh, some type of improvement, whether it be in character, who they are as a person, or in their work capacity, the capacity of what they produce with their hands, or you know, with pr- their proverbial hands, in so much as what their work is. Well, I think that's incredible. I just you know getting around some of the people, like you know, obviously you're very close to Michael, and um, you're very close to a lot of people that most people look at and like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And to you, you're around them all the time. And, you know, I've, I've had experiences like this where like uh, a a good friend of mine is John Paul DeJoria. So he's the owner and co-founder of Paul Mitchell and uh, was the owner of Patron. And like we go to his birthday every year and it's like 45 of us. Right. So it's a pretty small group of people. My heart because of who I am is like, I want to take all my boys like, I want to take all my boys, but I know that I can't take all my boys. Do you, do you struggle with those things too? Because at the level that you, and the things that you get to enjoy, not everybody can get on that bus. Do you struggle? I mean, it's a, it, for me, it hurts my heart at times. Cause I'm just like, dude, let's get a bus. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Right. Oh, Kelly will bring a bottle of pop off. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, do you, do you ever struggle with those kind of things or, or were you just, because I, as I went along, I think because I came from very, we came from very similar beginnings, I almost struggled with success accepting it. Did you, you ever have that? Um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I still, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that I necessarily have, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily have success yet, you know, or, or I'm still, you know, I think always trying to strive for success and strive to get it. Um, I, you know, I think I'm, oh, I, I, I always look around and, and, and feel how, how blessed and how abundant, you know, I, things are for me. Um, it, you know, it, it feels, um, somewhat just, you know, you know, I, like fairy tale in a lot of ways. And, you know, um, and so it's hard, you know, yeah, it's hard, you know, when a lot of, there's a lot of times when a lot of the experiences that I get to participate in, a lot of things that activities I get to participate in, um, when, you know, you, you either you can't bring people or uh it's the you know from either um you know financial perspective or from just an access perspective and you know for me nowadays you know uh, you know it's more about you know I, uh, I wish i could bring my my kids or i wish i could bring you know my wife to this you know when there's you know when you're you know doing in the middle of uh an island in saudi arabia you know that they that the country just built um, for this one event, you know, where you've got, you know, Alicia Keys and John Legend performing f- for just a hundred people, you know, it's th- those types of things where you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I wish I could have, I wish they, I could have them here, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, the access doesn't, doesn't allow for that. So there's a lot of times like that. Yeah. So uh, I love this because now as we start getting into it, right, you guys, I mean, you guys are listening, you're hearing character. You're hearing hard work. Um, some of you just were like, bing, bing, bing. I just heard John Legend, Alicia Keys, uh, 100 people. That's why I didn't lead with this stuff. Um, I don't lead with um, telling you all these things about Patrick because I want you to understand the, the man that Patrick is. And you, I think the thing that I admire about you too is that you always dress for the position that you wanted as opposed to you had. You always acted for the position that you wanted as opposed to you had. But this is the question I have for you is what is the point of difference with Patrick? Because there was a lot of people who started the same point you did. There was a lot of people that were bussing tables when you were bussing tables. Um, and there's a lot of people who aren't presidents of one of the largest you know, companies in the, in the culinary industry and doing what you're doing. So what was that point of difference? You know, I think I just, I, you know, like Steve Jobs says, you know, when you kind of connect the dots backwards, it, things make a lot of sense to you. And I remember, I, you know, I remember starting off as, you know, as a busboy and working at um, Lombardi's, Bertolini's in, in Las Vegas. Um, you know, there was a time where, um, you know, the head busboy, so to speak, he got a you know, job somewhere else and he left. And so they, they made me the, the head buster, the head busboy. And I was, you know, I, I want to say I was, you know, 18, maybe 19 years old. And there was about 27 other bussers, busboys on, uh, on the schedule that I was in charge of now all of a sudden writing the schedule for these guys. I was in charge of, you know, making the station assignments, signing side work and, you know, um, help, helping with their training and uh, hiring decisions and so on and so forth. And so I was really lucky um, to get a whole lot of responsibility put on me um, at a very young age. And so I, you know, I, I leaned into that. I stepped, I stepped up into it. And, um, you know, I think, um, I, obviously I was a, I was a really good busboy, um, from, from a skills perspective. Um, so then, you know, it, 
but you can't just be a great player, you know, and be a great coach. And so I wanted to, you know, then take what I knew and, and start to evolve myself as a coach and as a leader. And, um, and then I just kept growing. And I think um, I, you know, the thing that I always kind of do is I always, I, one, I'm always trying to learn. I, I you know, I always want, you know, I, I'm hungry to learn about, you know, whether it's about management, about food, about leadership, about coaching, about innovation, about technology, you know, um, right. You know, whether it's, I mean, I just, I, I constantly want to learn. I want to learn more about spirituality. I want to learn about, you know, uh, more about the hormones that are my, my son is about to start experiencing in the next few years and how I can, you know, captain that better for him. And so, even back then I was constantly learning and trying to take as much information as I could. And then, you know, in some ways, and sometimes I would, you know, emulate, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, until I found my own style until I found my own voice, I might, you know, find a leadership style that I really liked and copycat that for, and see how that worked and test it out. And then I would constantly analyze and, you know, um, uh, you know, David Goggins, you know, um, who wrote the book, You Can't Hurt Me, talks about these, um, the kind of post-mission assessments of, you know, every time you, you embark upon something, you sit back and you, they, you kind of write out, what, you know, what went right, what went wrong, what can improve, but, um, you know, really taking inventory, you know, for me, when I was a leader, you know, from I was a manager at 22, I would constantly replay discussions I had with, um, with, you know, food servers or, you know, discussions I had with guests, or I would replay the day and kind of critique myself and see where I could improve. And then I always just kept trying to improve and, you know, just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, um, in order to, in order to be better. And I think, you know, I also understood that, you know, I was very young and I needed to find a way to be able to, to get people to want to follow me. And you can't get people to, you can't just demand followers. You can't demand people to, you know, want to listen to you and, and, you know, um, and, and subscribe to your leadership philosophies. Right. And so I knew that if I wanted um, people to follow me, that I had to give them something to believe in and something. And so I, 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 I took a teacher mentality or I, I just wanted to come and, and, and teach people. And so I would, you know, uh, you know, whether it was about wine or about food or about um, service or anything, I would, I would approach it where I had, you know, would study and study and study these things and then um, in re- and, and then teach them in very pragmatic ways for people to be able to understand um, and uh, to be able to execute um, with. And so that was the way I got into people's minds and then ultimately got into their hearts and made them want to follow me despite my youth and despite my age. Um, and it, you know, it, it was always kind of, you know, my approach is I, you know, want to be able to, you know, pr- prove myself by showing my, um, my, by showing my ethic, by showing my values, by showing my ability um, to execute, but then also 
not just, you know, so then prove yourself as a one and then be able to teach and to share and to guide and to coach and to make those deposits into others before I even ever try to make a withdrawal. Um, and that was kind of my recipe for success at, you know, at every time, whether it was I went into a new restaurant or took a new position or, um, you know, then when I made the leap from um, working at Bertolini's to working with Michael and, uh, at, you know, Aqua and Aqua Development Corporation, is that I just, that was kind of my process. And it's, you know, always worked really well for me. What was the first position? Um, actually, before I go to that question. Uh, okay. You just said uh, there was a difference between being a player, like a great player, which you have crazy discipline that you have since I've, I've known you. And it's amazing to hear this and hear the mind of you. And um, I don't think that you realize how impactful, like you just dropped bombs right now. Uh, but, and I hope your wife understands this and understands that you have game that way. Uh, our wife is now, you know what I mean? So let, uh, just get her on the podcast if possible and I'll tell her. Um, but you just said something and I want to, I want to unpack it a little bit is that you said, you're a great player, um, but you knew that there was something else that would translate to be a great coach. And not every great player is a great coach. Even people, uh, we were just having a discussion the other day where, you know, Kobe, Kobe, which, you know, everybody, you know, knows who Kobe is. Kobe even came out and said, I won't be a coach because I was a great player, but that doesn't mean I'm a great coach. What makes a great coach? I, well, I think it's the ability to understand the potential that um, each person or each individual has and to understand whatever the device that that person needs in order to reach their potential. Some people, it could be, you know, um, it could be hard, you know, hard work, you know, in, in just that challenge, you know, but I have right now, and I, this is what I, I mean, I mean, I, there's so many things about fatherhood that I love, but one of the things that I really love is it makes me a better leader at work because I get to coach and manage and mentor and lead three completely different people. And, you know, I, my, you know, my son is, uh, you know, he's the oldest, but he's, you know, um, he's, you know, got this adventurous heart and mind and wants to learn and explore and, um, is wildly creative and imaginative. Um, but, you know, and he, he loves to play on play sports. He's not, he, you know, he's not the best athlete out there. In fact, he, you know, his, his motivation for playing sports is because he wants to be around his friends, but, you know, I'll be out, I'll be, you know, at his games and, or sometimes, you know, I, I, I coach their little league team. Well, it was, can't, it's been canceled uh, this season, but um but when I, I'll be at his basketball games watching and, you know, he, when he's on offense, he's still trying to cover, you know, cover uh, his opponent. And I'm like, Hey man, you know, when, when you're on office, you're supposed to break free. You know, when you're in defense, you're doing great. You're locking down. That's great. But when you're on offense, you're supposed to break free. And he's like, dad, you don't know what the coach is telling me. You know, you don't know what's happening in when we're, you know, in the huddles and the meetings. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? And so, but that's the extent of how he wants to push himself. You know, he just wants to go have fun, hang out with his friends and maybe they win, maybe they lose. It, it, it's okay. My middle child, you know, all I have to do is just, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, 
put a ball or, you know, or give her a challenge and she won't give up. She'll work, you know, she'll spend two hours until she masters something, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to kick a soccer ball or trying to jump rope or, or whatever, ride a bike. She's just determined. She just, you know, won't let go. And so, you know, they, they need, you know, as a coach, you need to figure out, okay, what's their potential? Are they reaching their potential? And what can I do to help them reach their potential? Because it's not one size fits all. You know, um, some people, they love the grind. They love hard work. They love, you know, to, you know, to get in day in and day out and, and just until they, they master things. And some people, um, that's not what they love. They, they like to, you know, they like to commiserate and they like to, you know, uh, have, connections and interactions with people and you know you know that that's what what motivates them so it's in order you know to go from a player to a coach it's you have to understand that what worked for you doesn't necessarily work for everybody else um and you've got to have the ability to create the relationships with those that you're coaching in order to understand them and, and get into their minds and get into their hearts so you can help them become the best version of them that they can be. Okay, Socrates. Um, <laughs> seriously, like this is, I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're incredible, man. And so we're like, obviously it comes through reading, it comes through studying. Um, where did the desire to want to study, want to get better? Like, where did that come from? Um, I think it's born in. Do you think you were born and they looked at you and they were like, this is Patrick. Um, he's going to be like gangster in every single thing that he does. He's going to get that CJ Jeep and he's going to cherry it out with a pullout stereo with the, you know, the Kenwood or is it, I mean, do you believe it was conditioning and, and the things that you're around? You know, I think it was, it's probably a little bit of everything, you know, and um, you know, when I, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I look back at life, and I, or, you know, it's, I haven't, I'm only, you know, 45, 46 years old. It's not like, you know, I'm a ground, you know, spinning yarns, but I look back and, you know, I always, you know, when I was, th- when I was three years old, um, I drowned and I was, <clears throat> you know, I, I, somebody left the gate open to the pool I didn't, I didn't know how to swim. I, there was something shiny in the pool. I reached in to get it. I fell in and I, I, I you know, every, the, the whole family was having a car wash party on the other side of the house. You know, they're washing cars. And um, so no one, no one heard. And I was, you know, they, you know, probably down there for, you know, anywhere from five, seven minutes. Um, and so when they finally found me at the bottom of the pool, my mom dove in, grabbed me out and I was, you know, I was lifeless. And, um, luckily the next door neighbor was a paramedic and they luckily were home and they were able to resuscitate me. Um, and so then they sent me to the hospital and pumped my stomach and, you know, sent, you know, I was stable. And so they discharged me later that, that evening and, um, I was in asleep and luckily my aunt was, um, going to nursing school. And luckily she came by um, and heard, was listening to me breathe as I was sleeping and she could still hear the water in my lungs. And so they took me back to the yard. Um, If they would have let it go, I probably would have died that night in my sleep. Um, And so 
you know, I always, you know, I always feel like there was, you know, whatever, you know, everybody always feels something. Or I, I feel there was a reason, right. That I was, uh, you know, kept alive and spared. And so I've, you know, not my, you know, I, I think I've, I've been on that quest and on that journey to try to fulfill that and try to understand what it is. And I think that's been you know, a big factor for me and knowing, you know, you know, uh, I guess, you know, one, you know, living up to the reason I was, uh, you know, uh, saved and, uh, you know, uh, and spared and, uh, and two, making sure that I'm fulfilling that, that, that purpose. And, you know, yeah, sure. There was, um, you know, I think there was a, you know, a portion of my life when, you know, during your twenties and whatnot, when you're, you know, young and having fun and, you know, maybe that's not your priority, but, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I got some good clarity and some, you know, um, uh, you know, in my, in my thirties and really figured out that, you know, I, I was, I, I needed, you know, I was probably a little bit further away from who I'm supposed to be and who I was. And I needed to reel that in and have that sync up really, really well. And so, you know, ever since then, that was probably about 11, uh, 11 years ago, I've just been, um, you know, you know, seeking, you know, seeking the, the answer to that and, and doing what I can to, to try to fulfill what my, you know, my purpose is. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think I've always been, you know, able to, like I said, I had all these different groups of friends and I was always able to be really a, a good friend and, um, to be able to ingratiate myself into others and, um, uh, to, um, to understand, uh, different perspectives of different people and be able to relate to people. And so I think that gift along with, um, having this, you know, um, I guess, you know, this disciplined mind together, um, really has allowed me to be, uh, in the position that I'm in now, um, and able to, to lead and to coach and to, um, and to, you know, motivate and manage and, uh, inspire a, a, a lot of people. Well, I, I think that's incredible. So my next question for you, man, is, um, <clears throat> you know, how have you been able to, like, uh, you know, you and I got to talk right before we jumped on here. And, you know, you had mentioned about your community. You had mentioned about, um, you know, loving the community where you lived, uh, the, the church that you guys went to and things like that. Um, a lot of times I think that people at high levels, especially like yourself, they feel they either have to choose. They have to choose, am I going to be successful at business? Um, and if I am, then I'm not going to be able to utilize, um, you know, then I'm not going to be able to utilize that faith aspect of it. But you found, like, you have the Holy Grail because what you're speaking about, like leading people, growing people, uh, caring for people, um, those are all faith-based um, mythology. And you've been able to mix the two. How has faith played a part in what it is that you do, you know, and, and succeeding. And cause again, like I said, most people draw a line and they're like, nope, like they're, I'm either one or the other, but you have been able to do it. And, and it seems to be working really well. How is that? Um, well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I think you've got to take care of yourself. Right. And you've got to make sure that, um, you're nurturing your, 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 your mind, your body, your soul, 
Um, because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Um, and so for me, um, that's, you know, it's, that's been essential is just really making sure that the diet that I'm on, you know, what I'm consuming, um, is keeping me, um, you know, in a very, um, one in a, in a position where I'm, um, very focused, but also, um, inspired and, um, in, in, um, uh, enlightened. And, you know, I think, you know, just look at looking at like the current situation, the current conditions that we're in right now. And it, I mean, these are, uh, you're really unprecedented times. I, we, we, everybody knew that there was going to be some type of winter, right. <laughs> um, some type of game of Thrones winter where, um, you know, the, the we're going to hit some type of recession and then get into a bull market in the, in, into this country. I don't think anybody saw the, you know, the entire world shutting down and, um, it, it, it could be, you know, you could take it and, and it could be scary. Um, and it is scary. It is scary for a lot of individuals. There's, you know, we've had to lay off over 3000, uh, people and it hasn't been easy decision-making, but because of, um, because of my faith and because of pra- my practice, and I, you know, I, I have been able to not, I having these visceral re- reactions to the current conditions, and I'm able to take everything in and process it and make wiser decisions and be a better leader because of that foundation that I have that, you know, that comes from, you know, a spiritual practice. Um, and it comes from, you know, whether it's, you know, for me, every morning I wake up and, um, you know, I, I get up really early and I spend, um, I spend about, uh, about two hours on myself. Um, and it's one hour of studying and I study the Bible. Um, I, you know, I have a couple um, of, um, you know, whether it's, you know, two uh, lesson plans that I'm following. Um, and, you know, um, I do that with my mom. It's something that we do together. And um, so either I pick one or she picks one. And so we're constantly uh, following along these lesson plans together. And um, it's great because it lets us be connected at a, a, on a, a, a spiritual level, even though we're far away, but also it just continues to nourish and feed our souls. And, um, and then also the church we're part of, they also send out a, like a daily little thing that I, that I love getting. It's about two minutes, but it really provides a lot of thought and perspective for the day. Um, and so I study, study that I study, um, um, you know, I, I, um, I look at different, you know, uh, whether it's different quotes or uh, different philosophies, um, and then I spend, uh, you know, some time meditating, um, whether it's anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes a day. Um, and then I spend time, um, you know, in prayer and then, um, it kind of, so I spend time meditating. I spend time in prayer. I spend a little bit of time just kind of, um, with incantations, um, you know, just, you know, affirmations, incantations, um, and then after that, I just kind of sit there and then I get into, uh, working out. And so, you know, it's about two hours every morning that it's just, it's before anybody wakes up in the house. 
Um, it's, you know, it's, you know, we have a puppy now, so the puppy um, spends it with me. <laughs> He's the only one that gets up with, and, and you know, at the, at the butt crack of dawn to do that with me, but everybody else is sleeping. Um, and so I, you know, that really prepares me for the day um, and helps me just become stable and centered and grounded um, in order to be the husband I need to be, in order to be the father I need to be, in order to be the coach I need to be, the leader I need to be, um, the servant I need to be, in order to be, you know, everything that I need to be just for that day. And I take it, you know, obviously I take it, I take it day by day and it's not by, you know, um, it's not by the intensity, it's by the consistency that, that, um, you know, we, be, we become, you know, great. Right. And so you, if I, if I just spent, you know, one, if I, if I, if I spent 24 hours, um, once every, you know, three or four months doing that, it's not, it's, that's, it's not going to get you to where you need to be. You, you know, it's not by intensity, it's by consistency. And Simon Sinek says it great. It's like, if you, um, you know, if you only brushed your teeth, you know, for an hour, you know, every few months, you'd be, you're, you'd be, you'd have tons of cavities, but because you brush your teeth two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night, that consistency allows you not to have, you know, you know, you know, have the cavities. And so it's kind of the same approach. Man, you just, you just debunked my whole life, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, I thank you. And uh, you just kicked me in the head and you probably kicked a bunch of listeners in the head too, that it's not about your intensity. It's about your consistency for success. Um, I love this. I've been, and I'm not, uh, I'm not texting or anything. I'm writing notes on you. Um, you said that you have to have a consistent diet of what you're consuming, not talking about food, but what you're consuming in your life. Um, you have uh, faith and practice. I love that you put that together. Um, you said that you had one hour of Bible study, meditation for 10 to 20 minutes. You got prayer affirmations working out every single day, at least that that's going to be your two hours. And that's with your puppy. Um, you said you want to, that to be so you could be stable centered, grounded, and you named off all the roles that you have, which I absolutely love because people talk about the fact that, well, if Patrick's going to be really, uh, you know, on this high level in the culinary uh, industry, he, you know, he's probably going to suffer in his marriage. But that's why, that's honestly one of the major reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast too, is because you have those things. Let's go right into the present too. Right now, you're the president of, uh, of Mina Group. You guys got over 40 restaurants. You guys are killing it. I mean, obviously with the COVID-19, where, you know, things have changed, whatever it is. Tell me about your first uh, in the present. Tell me about some pinch me moments. You, you said one of them and you just like you, one of my buddies just the other day, he said like this. Uh, his name is Tom Bachik, and he does all the nails for all the people uh, Hollywood's elite. And he's like JLo's like best friend. And he does her nails and all this stuff. And he's like, and so he started telling the story. He's like, yeah, um, one night, you know, we were having, JLo and I are having milk and cookies. And then, you know what? It was so funny. JLo got up and made me a peanut butter sandwich. I was like, stop. You know, <laughs> but for him, it was like, it was a peanut butter sandwich. For me, I was like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? What was the, tell it. Take us into that world of the Patrick Humo world, which is different than most. Um, give me some pinch me moments. Well, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, um, I, there's a lot. But um, I always think about growing up in, in Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas still, you know, not, you know, or, you know, back then didn't have any professional sports teams. And so 
you know, if, you know, for me, I, I, there was UNLV Running Rebels um, that we loved. And then it was kind of when I was growing up and really started liking sports, I became fan of the teams that were doing really well. Uh, so I was a, I became a Lakers fan. Um, I became a San Francisco Gi- football Giants fan. And um, because uh, they always stayed at the Desert Inn, and my dad always took care of them, um, I became a 49ers fan. And my dad would always, you know, tell us stories about Eddie DiBartolo and Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and Ronnie Lott and all. And so, you know, I always, you know, would just hear, you know, all these amazing things. And it was the kind of, the, you know, the glory days of, of, of the 49ers. And, um, and so when I moved to San Francisco, where I, um, you know, um, where we lived was in the same tower that Joe Montana um, lived. And he, you know, and he's a big fan of our restaurants. And so I would always see him in all the restaurants and we would um, actually, uh, we would always be working out early in the morning and he would always be, so we would be working out together. And so we, you know, we got to know each other. And so one of the kind of pinch me moments was, you know, I remember walking down one, uh, the street one day in San Francisco and he was on the other side of the street He's, and he was waving, hey, Patrick, you know, and I never thought in my whole life, you know, growing up that Joe Montana would recognize me in this, you know, in the, the street of San Francisco. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, this football season, obviously, it was a great season for the 49ers. But, um, you know, we have a restaurant at um, Levi Stadium. And so we're, we're you know, fortunate to, to be able to throw a really amazing, you know, party every Sunday when the 49ers are, are playing at home. And so I can bring, I bring the family every once in a while. And so I brought um, my son Jackson and um, uh, Ronnie Lott was, uh, we have this kind of this uh, sky suite where a lot of the VIPs come. And so Ronnie Lott was there and he took, he asked me if he could take Jackson down to the field. And so he, he took him down on the field and took pictures with him and was playing around with him. And, you know, he had, Jackson had no idea who he, who it was until we got home and I showed him all the videos of him cutting off his finger and all that type of stuff. Now he's, you know, he, the best, the, the best defensive player ever took him down on the field, you know? And so it's, it's those types of, you know, things, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We're, you know, we're partners with Aisha Curry and Steph Curry in one of our restaurants. And so we get to, you know, have a lot of fun with, with, with them. And I know you're a big Warriors fan. Yes. My, Hey, my son, my son, we, we we were just about to come up. I, I you know, we I had messaged you before the end of the year, um, and I was telling you, uh, my son is uh, rabid. He's eight years old, and he, I mean, he's crazy on Steph Curry, and um, we were going to come up and 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 be able to you know come up and see the the, the, the game and everything like that. I just took him to a Clippers game, uh-huh. and my buddy's got me uh, uh, Clippers tickets. It was it was awesome. But my son was like, dude, and I mean, I had Patrick Hummel tickets, okay? So I'm not bragging on this because it wasn't mine, but I had Patrick Hummel tickets, meaning, I mean, these tickets that we had were Chris Paul's uh, season tickets. Uh, my buddy bought them when he left, when he left, and they're like on the floor, first row, right next to the player, um, a whole night. My son, like we're feet on the court, and my son's like, Dad, when are we going to go see the Warriors? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's so cool. I mean, now, 
you're in that realm. You just you just mentioned Aisha Curry, Steph Curry, like they were Bob and Susan from the door. Um, who would be your pinch me now? Like who would be your oh my? Because you're you're chill. Like Patrick is chill. Patrick is the man. Like Patrick is rolling with you know all. Who would be that lose your mind? Like I could tell you mine. Mine is Chuck Woolery. Like if I met Chuck Woolery, like <laughs> yes. And then the other one is uh, Alyssa Milano um, as Sam Maselli. You know what I'm saying? Because who's the boss? Um, that's my girl. And I would lose my, I mean, I could see, you know, we were right next to the Kawhi and all the stuff, but I'm telling you, I see Sam Maselli. I'm losing it. I see Chuck Woolery. I'm losing it. Who are you losing it on? Man, I, I don't know. That, you know Alyssa Milano, uh, all of who's the boss days. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many team beat tiger beat, whatever it was pictures I had in my locker of her. I mean, I, I, I she was, uh, she was special. Um, Man, I, you know, it's tough to say. Um, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Um, I would have, you know, I never got to meet him. Um, would have loved to have been able to. I just appreciate his his uh, his discipline, his grind, and his uh, you know a, a lot about him. Um, I love Barack Obama. I, I think uh, you know I would. He, you know, I, I, I did have the, pl- the pleasure to meet uh, Michelle Obama, and she was amazing. Um, um, but you know, Barack would be would be would be great. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good one. What, uh, Patrick? What if you have to meet with, right? What would you ask? Like, if you only had one question, right? If you only had one question, you got to sit down with Barack, and he was like, "You got one question, Patrick, and then I'm out." What would that question be? Um, well, right now, I, w- I would. My question would be, "How would you have responded to the COVID nineteen crisis?" Wow. Yeah. Um, that would be my current question, but I th- I think, um, you know, yeah, I mean. There's, it's tough with just one question. I mean, there's so many questions. I mean, but I, I would, I, you know, I guess it's really just, you know, how can we, you know, what, you know, it's tough because I think we all know, we want to ask the questions, but I think we all know the answers to the questions a lot of times. You know, it's how, you know, you know, how can we, you know, prepare, the, you know, the next generation to help take care of, each other better or whatever, but I think we all know it's all by, you know, a lot of it's by setting the example, by doing the work, by, you know, leaning in, by listening, by loving, by hugging and by showing and caring, you know, um, you know, I think there's a certain discipline that others have that, um, that, uh, we all, you know, that not everybody has. And I think that's a difference, maker, difference maker. Um, you know, definitely, you know, uh, Barack Obama had, has it, Kobe Bryant had it, you know, um, you know, I think it, it's, it, I think it's just that will and determination. So it's, it, you know, I, there's a lot of questions. It's, I think it's more about conversation than illumination. Um, you know, because I think at, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, you know, it's, it's about the will that we all possess to do what we know is right. I, I want to stay on here. I, like I am 
uh, my IQ is continuing to raise. I'm glad because I only graduated from high school, Patrick. <laughs> I'm glad to, to be in your presence. Um, you know, as you go through this stuff, you're, you're a phenomenal leader. I mean, you're, you're leading people. You, you, you seem to have, you have a phenomenal blueprint. But what I love about it is that you're practicing that blueprint because there's a lot of people who have, you know, they have the right tactics or they, they say these seven steps and everything's going to work out. And you keep reiterating when I'm, when I'm asking you the questions, you, there's no set system. Um, you, your system is understanding and knowing people more and more is what I'm hearing. Um, like how are you keeping this, this, you know, what I love about, uh, the MENA group is the Kaizen, like Kaizen is, I, I, that word, I came in contact with it with Dr. Edwards Deming and huge inspiration. It was the first, um, book that I read when I got in the professional beauty industry, which sounds weird because it's not about the professional beauty industry, but Dr. Edwards Deming talked about never walking past poor improvement or poor quality or a series of small improvements. Um, how are you keeping that excellence in these times right now? Like, because obviously you can't be with your people. Um, how are you staying connected? How are you keeping that excellence? Because you guys go team, guest, and partners. Am I correct? Like you guys, that's where you're at in the, the MENA group. So how are you able to do that and keep that excellence right now? Yeah, one of the things that we're doing as a as a company as an organization is we've been working to um, to raise money to be able to feed our team members uh, across the country, and so we launched it in San Francisco. We've got about six hundred, seven hundred team members, um, and we um, you know we feed, we feed them um, meals for them for them and their families. Um, so uh, you know we've created a system where they can come pick up meals, you know, following all those, you know, social distancing protocols. But, um, you know, if they want to pick up food for four, they can pick up food for four. If it's just food for one, whatever, um, it, you know, it's completely up to them, but we want to be able to provide them with that resource during this time. So um, we, we launched that in San Francisco, LA, San Diego, Hawaii, Las Vegas, and Miami. Um, and so we're working to figure out how to continue to provide relief in some of the areas where we're not either able to launch it or haven't launched it yet. Um, so that, that's one of the, one of the ways I think, you know, um, having to lay uh, people off during this time was inevitable. Um, and I think everybody understands it. Um, it's, you know, there's, especially in a restaurant industry where, you know, even great restaurants, um, have, uh, you know, maybe, two weeks worth of cash flow, um, on their balance sheet. Uh, so it, you know, it, it burns pretty fast. And so, you know, but it's, how can we, um, you know, despite the circumstances, what can we do to let, um, let our team know that we care, we're thinking about them and, um, that we're all not just trying to, um, protect ourselves and, and survive. What's, you know, interesting for us and um, the beginning, every year we come up with a theme for our company. Last year, our, th you know, it's what we're, how we're going to think about everything moving forward for the year or how we're going to barrel for the year. Last year, it was about, uh, our theme was the relentless spirit and how can we just have, um, you know, a spirit that just continues to go and never gives up in, in everything that we do. Um, so this year, our theme was thrive, not, not just survive. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, 
COVID uh, had a, a, a different plan for us. And so we, we actually had to, you know, move into survive mode. Um, but now while we're in survive mode, we're thinking, how can we thrive in this mode? Right. And so how can we, what, you know, rather than just say, okay, we're, we're going to, we're shutting down, you know, um, and we're just going to protect uh, against and mitigate loss and protect our resources as best as possible. How can we now, th- you know, figure out how to thrive and with, you know, thrive by maintaining, you know, relationships within the community, thrive by maintaining relationships with our team. What can we do to learn? So, you know, some of our restaurants have switched to a, uh, you know, a pickup and delivery platform. What can we do to try to learn from that as best as possible? How can we learn about the technology that surrounds that as best as possible? And so we're, you know, it's, we're, you know, we're, I think, you know, while this is a very unfortunate circumstance and there's a lot of people that are suffering greatly right now, you know, I, I think it's important for everybody to figure out where they can see the opportunity to, to improve and to grow from this, uh, from these moments, you know, and I think, I, I can't remember who said it, but um, what they said, adversity is a terrible thing to waste. Um, my, is that your dad maybe or some, somebody? Someone said, actually, what, what was the first word you said? Was Adver- it- Adversity is a terrible thing to waste. She said it today. Her name is Amanda Vega. She said a crisis. She said that today. This is crazy that you say it because she said a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And adversity, that's, I mean, preach, brother, preach. <laughs> so, you know, that, um, that's, you know, it's, that's what we're trying to, to kind of, I guess, navigate through right now. Um, but, you know, it's, um, you know, I think it's about just people are, you know, you know, for us, for the only reason why our company is as good as it is, is because of the people, you know, um, I'm sure with, within your salons, right. If, if there was just one great Kelly and then like, you know, 25 other, you know, so, so, uh, you know, stylists, I'm sure, you know, you wouldn't be realizing the success you had. It's because you've got an organization of people that are, that believe in what you guys are doing and believe it at a level that they're it's it's their whole that's who they are it, it's in what they what, the, what they're working towards every day it's part of part of the part of them and so for us it's the same thing we've got people that we, i call we call the champion spirit which means they're passionate about being great in everything that they do and um it doesn't mean that they're going to be great in it it just means if it's worth them doing it's worth them doing as well as as they can do it and so we're you know, lucky that we're surrounded by over 3000 individuals that have that champion spirit. Um, and so, you know, when you have an experience at one of our restaurants, um, it's those people that are making that experience come to fruition. It's not myself. It's not Michael. It's not people that sit in the corporate office. It's each and every single individual. And so by us, you know, one realizing that our organization is, is great because of the people that we've got to figure out how to make sure that we can, let you know how, how do we let them know that they're that we we care about them and, and that they're you know every, people aren't numbers they're humans and how you know we're you know we're all having a human a very human experience right now and the way the best you know that we can kind of lock arms together and, and know that we're all going through this together and even though you know maybe it's not easy and it's it's you know it's you know it, you know, it's, it's, you know, the current conditions suck, you know, 
that there is light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, we're all going through it together and we have each other to lean on and we'll get through it together. So that's what we're, that's what we're doing in order to kind of propel through this. That's awesome, man. I mean, and so let, uh, bring us home on this part, you know, cause I want to respect your time. You have been so gracious with your time. I know you're busy um, doing so many different things. Um, you know, you talked about opportunity, right? I love this because I want I want to go back on this just for a second, though. You said uh, most restaurants, even the most uh, you know successful, right? And this is most businesses have two weeks of cash flow on their balance sheet. So if you are that company, I want you to be okay. Like everything's okay, and and the fact that you only have two weeks of cash flow, some of the best, that's where they're at. So don't beat on yourself, and don't beat on yourself because of those things. So I love that. Thank you for uh, speaking life into people. Uh, next thing was have a relentless spirit. You said thrive. Uh, that was uh, last year and then thrive, not just survive. And then you said, but we adapted, like we adapted immediately and now we're in survival mode, but how can we thrive in our survival? Um, I love this champion spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to write a book just about Patrick. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hang out with you long enough. I'm going to steal all your stuff. And then I'm going to be like, yo. And then after like five years, it'll sound like I said it all the time. Um, having a champion spirit. And then you said, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing great. And then you said, people aren't numbers. Um, they are humans. And so as we move forward, you said opportunity, there's opportunity in this, right? Um, as we move forward, we come out of this, right? We don't know when it's happening, all this stuff, but what is that star Wars now? Like, what is that stuff that what's, what's the future for it? What do you see happening and how do you see the, the restaurant uh, industry is starting to alter. Um, what are the things that are, you're going to, you know, that you're saying like, okay, cool. Well, let's go. You know, I, that, I, I, I don't think, you know, anybody has the right crystal ball right now, as far as what, what, you know, there's three things. One, when are, when is, when are we going to be able to reopen our doors? I don't want to say when are we going to return to normal because I think we all can agree that normal wasn't necessarily great. Right. I think we've got to, figure out how to heal from this as best as possible, how to learn from this as best as possible and use this to create, you know, the galaxy uh, that we, we ultimately want to live in. Right. And so when, you know, for us, it's, and I'm sure for you, it's when can we open our doors? Um, what, how is the world going to respond once we can? I, you know, I think, um, you know, the word restaurant um, comes from the French word that means restore. And, I think you know, people are going to want to be restored again. I think people ultimately will want to come together and celebrate and, um, and, and be nourished, not just with food, but with, with humans and experience and, uh, um, and music and sound and lights. And so I think people are going to want to come together again. Um, and I, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, ultimately it greatly depends on how the economy is going to respond uh, as well. And, um, you know, so those are the uncertain things. I think that certain things um, are, like I said, you know, you can't replace what happened. You know, you just, we're in very similar uh, industries, right? Um, you know, listen, I can, you know, I, I can cut my hair at home, but there's nothing like going to the salon and having your head massaged and, you know, getting pampered and, you know, you know, having somebody, you know, t you know, take care of you, um, that that's irreplaceable. No matter how much I beg my wife, she's not going to give me the same massage, <laughs> right? The same head massage that I'm going to get at the salon. And I'm not going to, you know, 
have you know my eyebrows trimmed the way you know you know you know I'm not going to be looking at as on point. Um, and it's the same in the restaurant, right? You know, I, you can cook meals at home and, and you can follow the chefs and do all these things, but there's nothing like walking into a restaurant where the lighting's perfect, the sound is perfect, someone's greeting you, they take you to your table, they pamper you, the chef's cooking for you, you don't have to clean or wash the dishes, you know, and you can really enjoy the company you're with. And also you get the energy from the people that are around you. And um, those things are irreplaceable. And I, I think... You know, we, yeah, we'll have to evolve and adapt to what, um, you know, what comes, you know, what, what the human conditions and their expectations are out of this. But I don't think, you know, that's going to be re- replaced. Um, but I do think it, it's teaching those that want to be taught and those that have learned how to, you know, how to be, um, be like water, you know, and how to adapt to you know, any situation, how to, you know, take different shapes in order to, um, to learn and to grow and to uh, evolve from this. Okay. I, you just said, I mean, dude, I'm writing as fast as I possibly can, but you are straight dropping bombs. So <laughs> I'm, I'm writing as much as possible. Okay. Quick ones. And I'm going to let you go. I don't want to let you go. Cause I just want to, I want to, steal from you. I want to steal. I, uh, there's two companies that I study. Number one is Disney. Number two is Apple. The reason why, because Disney doesn't study anyone and Apple doesn't study anyone. They do. And then everyone studies them. Does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. So take us behind the curtain though. You just said um, restaurant experience and you, yeah, like it's, it's your wheelhouse. You were like, all right, when you come in the perfect lighting, the perfect sound, the perfect reading, the perfect energy. Right. And you were just like, blah, 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 blah. and some people were like, wait a second you stay conscious of the lights the lights are different take us behind the screen tell us some things that you're thinking about and that you construct in all the Mita group restaurants that i as a consumer when i walk in i don't know but i'm feeling it and i'm like wow it brings me back what is that well i mean it's i mean there's a, a million different things you know and I, it's funny you mentioned disney you know, one thing that um, I've always loved and I've always held on to about Walt Disney is when he was, you know, before he envisioned and, and created Disneyland and, and um, Disney Corp, he would sit at the park with his daughters and he would see this merry-go-round. And from far away, they, it always looked like this beautiful, grand merry-go-round. And when they uh, are this car- carousel, um, and when they came up to it, he noticed that only the horses on the outside moved. And all the ch- paint was chipped. And so his mantra with creating Disneyland was no chipped paint, all the horses move. And it's something that simple, but it's really incredible to think about. No chipped paint, all the, ho- all the ho- horses move, which means he, he want, and for us, we think about that as well. It's the expectation and anticipation that you have for your experience when you're going to the, a restaurant. We want to understand that and envision it and then deliver on that. And, you know, you never know who's coming in, in, into the doors. If they're celebrating an anniversary, a promotion, if they've saved up all, all their money so they can go here for, for prom or whatever it is, we want to make sure we understand that and deliver. And that is, it, obviously, it's not just about, the, you know, food is a big part of it, but it's not just about the food. 
it's not just about the service. You know, obviously the service has that they have to be knowledgeable. They have to be friendly. They have to be warm. They have to be sincere. They have to be other centered. Um, you know, but it's about every detail in the atmosphere. It's you know, making sure that the temperature of the room is right, making sure that the pitch of the banquette or the chair is right. So to maintain comfort that, you know, the table is set up, you know, uh, perfectly for the plates that are coming. So you don't have to shuffle silverware around, you know, it's making sure the music meets the, the expectation of the ambiance and it's not, they're not fighting each other, but they're actually dancing together. And, you know, it's all these elements that come into play that um, you might not notice, but um, for, you know, but it all takes and has um, a meaningful impact on, on your experience. Okay. How am I, like two last questions. One, uh, what role does your wife play in all this? Because I know, like, I see you and you're a phenomenal man. You're doing great things, but you got a great family. And I tell you, I watch people all the time implode because they don't have a family unit. You have a phenomenal family unit. You have a very beautiful wife. You have a beautiful family. What role does, because for me, I tell my wife, my wife is my Don King. Like my wife, not that she has crazy hair and that she, uh, but my wife is my biggest promoter in the world. Like she is she believes that I could do stuff. I mean, she believes I could walk on the moon. And sometimes I'm like, I need you because I don't believe as much as you believe. What role does your wife play in this? You know, she's, um, one, she's my kite string, right? She, you know, keeps me tethered, keeps me grounded. It's my root, my anchor. You know, it's, um, there's, um, they're, they're my source. She's my source of energy. Um, and you know, they're my source of energy and inspiration and, uh, they make everything worth it. Um, but two, she's also my, my, my bird dog. Um, you know, she's always pointing me in the right direction for inspiration. She's, you know, always, um, whether it's with China patterns or tabletop or even, you know, what's happening with different restaurants around the world. She's always giving me little, uh, little, um, hints on, on where to look for, to find new ideas and uh, new sources of inspiration. And, and then three, she's my, you know, the biggest, my biggest advocate and cheerleader. And, you know, so um, I wouldn't be able if, to, to do what I do or be where I'm at if it wasn't for, for her and for them. So I can, I can assume uh, you're a Warriors fan. Am I correct? What's that? You're a Warriors fan. Am I correct? Yes. I'm, yeah. Well, yeah. Lakers too, though. You're, I understand. Right. You're, yeah. you're Lakers first, right? Okay. Yes. Warriors, very close second. Yep. Good. Huge Draymond Green fan. Huge, I mean, I think Clay Thompson has the greatest shot in the history of the uh, of the NBA. Uh, the cleanest, like the cleanest J ever. Um, so, uh, I mean, his his persona that we see from ESPN from all those things. You know him though. Is is that the? I mean, is the stuff we see on ESPN the stuff that you get in in life? Yes. Yeah, he's. I mean, just the most. Um, I mean, fun, humble, s- sweet, sincere, silly um, guy. I mean, just just really has this. I mean, um, way about him and this exuberance and this love for life. He's a great family man. Um, He's, you know, just amazing. I mean, 
the fact that he, you know, comes into the restaurants, he, you know, remembers everybody's name, uh, makes, you know, everybody feel welcome and at home, um, has fun with everybody. You know, it, it, it's, I mean, he is exactly, he's exactly that. Yeah. So Lakers, in the final, like in the uh, uh, Western Conference Championship against the Warriors, okay? Not this year because we know what would happen. We know what would happen. We know, we know, we know. But I'm saying when we come back, when we come back, Clay's healthy, Draymond's healthy, uh, Giannis possibly signs with, I'm calling the shot. You wearing your Lakers jersey or are you, you wearing your Warriors jersey? Oh, man. It's tough, you know. It's being here in the Bay for the past five, six years. Um, you know, we've the, my the whole house. I mean, our we've done nothing but you know cheer the Warriors on nonstop. I mean, it's it you know and the you know the Lakers weren't 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 there in the dance, and you know, and the the I guess the the bad guy in it all was always LeBron James. And so it's going to be, I mean, it's hard, you know, is, is I, I love, I love the Lakers, I, you know, but it's hard when it comes down to LeBron versus Steph. It's hard. It, it's going to be hard to cheer for LeBron. I, I mean, all right. Yeah. I, I love how you were diplomatic. That's president uh, Patrick. Uh, he, he gave that very, you know, vanilla, you know, hey, I love everybody. Everybody's good in the world. Okay. In the NBA, though, this is that bonus question. In the NBA, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very vocal about this. I'm not a big – I used to be a big Rockets fan. Like when I was a kid, Akeem Olajuwon, everything like that. I am not a, a Rockets fan. Um, J- James Harden, although, I mean, people argue all the time, like, oh, he's the greatest scorer in the world. I think that he dribbles way too much. I hate the game. Um, I don't use hate very often, but I don't like watching him play. Um, what's your view? Because I've got a child, and when my child dribbles 20,000 times and then steps back and heaves it from, you know, God knows where, it just makes me want to take my kid and not let him dribble. You know what I'm saying? What's your view on that? I, I can't stand the flailing. I can't stand – I mean, the, the, the way he shoots um, drives me crazy. I, I don't think it's fair. It's not, I mean, I, it's – it, 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 I mean, the, it, it's, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, and it's sad because you do, you are seeing kids on playgrounds shooting like that now. And it's just, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's sad. So do you play, did you play basketball? Or you played football? I played football and baseball. Um, what position did you play in football? Well, I, I, I played center and uh, right defensive end. Did you? Okay. All right. There we go. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for your time. I took way more time than I asked for, but I tell you, you are, you are incredible. I appreciate you. Um, I thank you for being on the uh, podcast. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe, like, do all the stuff. Uh, follow me on TikTok also, uh, Instagram. If you follow me on TikTok, my kids will think I'm cool. Um, <laughs> how can they, how can they follow you, uh, Patrick? Um, I'm on Instagram, Pat, P-A-T-R-I-C underscore Y-U-M-U-L. What I love about Patrick is he's like, don't follow me. Like I'm about my business and I'm getting after it. You know what I'm saying? So I love that part about you. I love who you are. Um, take us home. What message do you want to send to all the people out there, um, you know, that are 
that are looking and saying, wow, I want to be the president of the company someday, or, you know, I want to be the best at what I'm doing. What's your, what's Patrick's message and legacy that you want to leave? You know, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to echo what others before me have said. I think first and foremost is the journey of a thousand miles begins with one single step, you know, so don't try to, you, you can't try to boil the ocean. You've got to just boil one pot of water at a time. And, you know, whatever your journey is, you, you've got to go step by step by step by step. Um, and, and that's the way you make progress. Um, and so just, you know, that that's first and foremost. The second is, you know, I think a lot of people get discouraged uh, too easy. And, you know, we can't all be, and then I'm going to quote Mother Teresa, we can't all be great, but we can all do small things with great love. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you, if you really think about that and stew on that, if you can, we, we, you know, we, we get, we, we become too um, romantic about these grand and great gestures and, and being the hero of things. But really, if we just do small things with great love, we're going to be able to have dramatic impact on, 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 on ourselves, but, you know, on the world. Um, and then it's, it's, you know, really, I think, you know, what I said before, you've got to take the time for yourself. You've got to, <clears throat> you've got to have the, you've got to carve out the time and you've got to put it into yourself, you know, and, and nurture and nourish your, your soul, your body, your mind. You've got, you've, you've got to do that in order to be able to have that energy source and those tools and that foundation so you can, have impact in the rest of your life and i think you hit it also on the head is life is one indivisible whole right you can't try to do great in one part of your life and attempt to do wrong in another right and so whatever hat you're wearing you know making sure that when you're wearing that hat you're in that moment you're present and you're focused and you're hitting it and leaving it as hard as you can um because that will then cause your whole to be as strong as possible Patrick, I thank you so much, man. You're incredible. You're off the hot seat. Uh, check out, uh, like I said, uh, subscribe, uh, kellycardinas.com. You can check that out. Check my pops out too. Big shout out to him. And um, we love you. Thank you, Patrick. You're the man. All right, man.